welcome to episode 150 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Johnny and Stefan about condition of video games. We're talking about label condition, disc condition, disc rot, whether we put up with certain kinds of damage, whether certain kinds of damage are worth it if you're getting a steep discount, and a little bit on how recently is really the only time that really nice games have started to pull really far away from the pack in terms of prices and kind of what we're doing about that. I can say that none of the three of us are super mint condition guys, so if you're one of those people, you'll probably be disappointed in our opinions on this show. But give us five stars on iTunes, sit your mom down, have her listen to the show, and let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler, here with Johnny and Stefan. Welcome back, Stefan. Good to have you with us. How's it going? Thank you. I missed you. We missed you, too. We love having you on the show. Love editing with you on the show. I have not yet listened to the Flesh with Plush episode. How was that? Oh, seamless. You know, it went really well, smooth, in and out. (laughs) Fastest episode we've had in a long time. Uh, it's you a know, two-hour-long show, and we talked about five plushy games, of which four of them were actually featured. And well, and part of the problem was that we also talked about fractional shares and how stupid that is. And Tyler wanted to talk about that. It was actually like a Tyler rant episode for the first thirty minutes. Not that I disagreed with him, but that's how. That <laughs> I, I wanted to give our listeners something interesting besides plushy games. No offense to plushy games, but who cares? Yeah, and then we also. Uh, we also talked about Halloween. I know a topic near and dear to your heart right now. Oh, yeah. You and I probably don't see eye to eye on this because, you know, I disagree with you. Oh, did you see my, my yeah, rant I saw on your Facebook? Post. So are you, are you, is it Halloween as normal for you or? Uh, I don't know if it's Halloween as normal, but I think there's like, I think there's ways to do it. I think adults could walk around in masks and most kids are pretty low risk and, you know. I don't think they should necessarily all be in like large groups, but I, I mean, I think there's a way you could, I think there's a way we could pass out candy if we wanted to, uh, you know, socially distance wise. I, what I'm really against is trunk or treat. So mm. that that's my main gripe. I, I f-ing hate trunk or treat. I think it is the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. I, uh, it's really kind of a non-issue for me anyway, because in the last like five years that I've been in this house, I don't think like every year we go and trick or treat. Uh, at my parents' house in South Pasadena because they're on one of the streets where like kids get bust in and there's like you know five thousand people on the streets and it's like a spectacle when it's not a pandemic and um and but I always turn on my ring doorbell to like see if we actually get anyone and I've never even seen someone like walk in front of my house in costume let alone try to ring the doorbell in five years so I don't think it's gonna be a problem anyway. But uh, we decided we're going to do like, we're basically going to do like a Halloween version of Easter and like hide candy around the house and let the kids, yeah. kind of, it'll be, it'll be fun. Yeah. See, like that, that, that is more my point is not that like, I, I think there's a way to do it. Not just like, well, Halloween's canceled kids. We'll, we'll figure it out next year. I just think there are things to do. You could watch scary movies there. There, there are things. Um, I am sad that kids can't like walk around, but like kids are also pretty low target. I, I just... There's always something in the way of Halloween, you know, in the last like 10 years, 
uh, this idea that kill- kids are being killed and kidnapped and poisoned. You know, that you always see these horror stories that aren't like real, essentially. Yeah. They're yeah. all like, like the, the same. Like the syringe under the, under the gas station pump stuff, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. The razor blade in the apple. It's yep. like you still see that story. I'm like, you know, that story has been circulating since like 1981. Yeah. That one right. story. Yeah. Someone cr- transcribed that into a meme from like a book. <laughs> yeah. And, well, it wasn't even real. Like the people like it's not that Halloween couldn't be dangerous. It's not that adults aren't inherently, you know, there that there aren't an inherently dangerous group of adults out there for kids. It's just that, you know, if you, there is some supervision, you know, and large groups of kids, then mostly they've been fine. There's no data that supports that this is the time of year that kids get snatched. Though, I, you know, crime is also a thing mostly of opportunity. So I, I get I get the fear. I just, you know, I just wish we didn't live in a world where that had to be true. Sure. Because that it is my favorite holiday. People had to hear about that at the end of the last episode. Now you get to hear about it again. And then you're going to have to hear Halloween episodes. You poor bastards. <laughs> strap in. Yeah, strap in, get ready. So you want to collect Halloween games. Coming soon. Part seven. I can't wait for Johnny to show off everything he's been buying this year and saving up in preparation for October. Woo. I wonder if the churn on our audience has been enough that we could just repost old So You Want to Collect Halloween games and like no one would notice. Um, I actually went back <laughs> through all the Halloween episodes and decided which ones are like actually So You Want to Collect episodes. I mean, they're not exactly in the format, but I actually only decided there's only three total. Didn't we, so do, the- didn't we do like four Halloween episodes one year? No. Making that up? No, it's two. So, like, the import episode, I haven't decided if. It's, so, right, right now, I'm in between two or three. Because I, I like the idea that there, the import one could be its own thing and then do another round of that. Because I, I like showing off the imports. Because there's a lot of excellent Halloween games that are imports. Yeah. We could do, like, if you just want extra content, we could do, like, Let's Plays for Halloween games and just, like, put that out there. Sure. Or, like, please, or like live stream. Please do. That'd be fun. Oh, we could. Ooh, I'm I'm set up to to do the Virtual Boy on the on the TV. So like you, you can come over and we could play. Yep. Yeah, we could play uh, the uh, Elder the Scrolls game or not Elder Scrolls. Uh, uh, no Yakada. Yes. <laughs> no Yakada. In, in's mouth. The, yeah, In's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Cthulhu game. That's what I I was yep. thinking. Elder God, and that's how I got Elder Scrolls. Yep. That's a lot of talk about what's coming in the future. What are we uh, talking about today, Stefan? It's your episode. <laughs> yeah, it was decided that it was my episode last minute. It's fine. Today we're talking about. Um, well, hold on. Condition. Did you pick the episode? I did pick the episode. Okay, so it's your episode under under duress. I feel like I we were in here last I... time, so we figured <laughs> we'd give you a chance to talk about what you wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, and that like look at him throw it back in his face. Ungrateful. <laughs> you had like three weeks to prepare for this podcast, and this wow. is what yes. all your preparation has led to. That's absolutely what I do every podcast. Is I just I prepare for weeks. That's <laughs> actually why. That's why we Look, have man, been I'm so untimely shows, with shows. our releases. Is because I just you know I focus so much on <laughs> on research that I, I'm not uh, going to you know, say that your effort level is definitely reflected in the quality of your hosting, but I'm going to say that you know. Definitely your preparedness and how much you prep before the show shows. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> 
today. Just dick, just dick commentary. I, Johnny, what's wrong? Why are you being so mean? <laughs> I know. This is not good. Like, coming off the heels of, like, of like an episode. Oh, I guess we had one in between now that I wasn't part of. So we had this episode where, like, people were, like, being like, what's going on with Johnny? He's really mean to Stefan. <laughs> and then I'm not on the podcast in the next one. <laughs> yeah. Pick. Well, I just want that seamless continuity. Like, nothing changed. And I, uh, like a lot of people, it was your girlfriend. It was my girlfriend. My girlfriend did, did think you were very mean to your, me. Your girlfriend was defensive about you. Yeah, she she was like she was like, well, I guess it's okay since like it it just felt like that's what you guys do. <laughs> She's like, Does she I think don't I'm understand. cool, Stefan. And then she was like, she, she was like, you know, I wanted you to know that I listened to the whole podcast, and then I'm probably not going to do that again. <laughs> oh, really? She didn't love our podcast, huh? I think she is just she's so far removed away from this hobby that um she was just like she's like it all goes over my head like she's like I I just listen to you I I listen for like your parts where you talk and that's fun for me but like I get nothing from this content. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, very much an insider uh kind of podcast. It's very niche. If you, if you this isn't for you, we totally get it. Uh yeah. so don't worry. Uh, we're not offended if you don't listen to us. That's that's totally reasonable. Speaking of niche portions of this hobby, today let's talk about condition, gentlemen. Ooh, what about it? What are we talking about condition? Is that a niche portion? What's that? No, Is I that don't a think niche that's a, portion? No, that's I, I one think of that's... Dennis's four R's. However, he turned it into an R. I don't know. <laughs> it's Ron, Rondition. Uh, recondition. <laughs> recondition. <laughs> that's it. Um, All right, we did get. Uh, we we have now uh, met our quota for digs on Dennis per episode. I hate that he doesn't listen to the show and he's not going to hear us razzing on his R's. <laughs> razzing is one of our. R's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think. Well, I think it's niche because I think there's there's certainly there's certainly a demographic within this hobby that cares a lot about condition, and then another demographic that does not. See, I, I disagree with you. I, I think, especially for the, um, I, I think there are people who buy games that don't give a shit about condition, like gamers. Um, but I think the portion of the hobby that we speak to, like the collector portion, I think they do. And I, I think like condition is, uh, you know, it's always been king. I don't think it was as prevalent before, like stuff just kind of got a pass. It's like, was either complete in box or it was cart. And it's like, oh, this one's a really nice one. So you know, whatever it gets a premium, but now I, and now, and this is why we're talking about it, right. Is because now we are in the weeds on condition. Now we are, you know, now we're looking at 9.6 a plus pluses versus 9.2 or was 9.6 a plus versus a 9.2 a plus plus and which is better. Yeah, and and well, and thousands of dollars representing that. Yes, that gap, like the right? goal. That's yeah, that's the crazy part. Is like the you know, it's just like well, I think it's it's in, like like anything. Um, the higher in quality you get, the the smaller the steps are, right at the very top end. Like a you know, an eighty inch television versus an eighty five inch television is god awfully you know more expensive versus like you know the difference between a 65 or a 60 inch and a 65 inch television is much much less right everything i think i think it kind of follows a trend of anything 
Yeah, I mean, it, the old advice would just be buy the best condition you could afford. And I still think that pretty much stands. I, if you were looking at it as an investment, that, like, well, I don't know if it still stands. Well, I, I guess it does. The best condition you af- can afford. But now that condition could be a six. <laughs> right. I mean, the yeah. best part about literally any time except for the, the past two years is uh, there's like almost no premium for good condition stuff. Like, if there was a bad condition box and it was a $200 game, you would see the bad condition box and it would be listed for, like, 185 And it's like, who who would buy that? It doesn't make any sense. But now, instead of bad condition games being worse, you have the 9 out of 10 and 9.5 out of 10s are $400 and $500 now, which uh, I, I've always kind of remarked, like, it doesn't make sense that there's... There's, like, the way price tracking sites work, they don't track condition, it's just kind of an average and price tracking sites have driven the way people think about games for the past 10 years i'll say it's it's been a ripe field i don't i need an analogy here but you could just get basically nice condition games for very small premiums and that is starting to change and it's sad yeah that that's pretty much over i think well but do do you think that is because this something that we talked about before we started recording was how kind of insular a certain the the high-end demographic is for this hobby right and do you think that's that's like that's why that's over because like they are now instead of using sites like price charting they're using each other like they're like it feels it feels like they're they're driving the premiums within this like insular community and i don't know that they're even like i don't know that those people are even looking at at like historical average like game value now is starting to have condition and like graded prices and they're definitely checking heritage completes so that i mean they're checking prices but they're not necessarily checking like video game price charting you know or just game value now anymore so i, I think there's more sources i think you know part of the problem um i don't know problem part of the shift is that these investors have gotten here and if you are looking for super nice condition stuff, that's the stuff they're after. Like if you are a person who just wanted all of your stuff to be relatively nice, well, it's not like they're going to buy, you know, the one that is like the, the mintiest one there. If there are two in similar conditions, you can guarantee both of those are gone. Like that same person might buy both of them if it's a good deal. Yeah. That's I happening mean, that's, a lot. That it's, you know, which is the problem with investors, right? Which is, um, if you go back to the old, uh, you know, gamer versus collector when that was the battle, now there's mm-hmm. three segments. Now it's like gamers versus collectors versus investors, you know, and I don't know if gamers even know the difference between collectors and investors. I, they, I think they probably homogenize that group, but now collectors are like, Hey man, I just want a boxed uh, Metroid uh, first print because uh, that's like the original one, and these guys are like, mm, but that was a nine point six, so that'll be that'll be ten thousand dollars if it's sealed. Oh like. no, Wada doesn't create Famicom Disk System games, Johnny. Uh, no, no, <laughs> uh, this is this is the original Nintendo game. Uh, Famicom is a Famicom game, so you know what I mean, like NES, like the original NES, the ones that matter. Well, I'm trying to think of a retort, but I don't have one. I'm sorry. <laughs> because that's that's I'd love true. to keep our banter going. Yeah, no. Um so but Tyler, you, you say that, but even that like 
I've seen you start to talk about premiums on Famicom Disk System games starting to happen, right? Have I talked about that? I've been picking up, I've been picking up stuff real cheap. At least all the stuff you... I mentioned. Like I already have all the Nintendo stuff, so I don't really care about that anymore. So everything else I need is stuff that no one will ever care about. But what have I said? Like I just got oh, that I've... Zelda. Oh, I thought you were talking this. about like some of the the Mario's, like the original Mario prints and stuff, are now starting to go for more money. No, <laughs> no, okay, not at all. I, I thought uh, so. That's what okay, you were wait. Me. There was. All right, I could tell. I can give one story. This isn't really related to the episode. There was a a two thousand dollar VGA graded uh, Super Mario Brothers on Famicom that's sold on eBay. I'm not sure if it's the exact same one, but another one has popped up for twenty thousand dollars. Uh, and to be clear, the Super Mario Brothers on Famicom, they were never sealed. So this is like the theoretically unopened complete in box game. Uh, and it's a it's a second print that they have. It's actually a later print, but who cares? Listed as $20,000. So they're going for the angle that this is the true first print, but they don't have the true first print. It's very <laughs> strange. Yeah, this this is what I'm talking. This is the thing I was talking about that you put in our thread and the, the one with the last print, the little F, the double Fs on it. Oh yeah, someone on video game stage. So I there's I knew about two Famicom Mario variants. There's there's one with the UPC on the back and one without the UPC on the back. And most of them have the UPC on the back. But then I learned about a third print which has a little Famicom logo in the bottom right of the box, and that's apparently a later release. And uh that little Famicom logo is really cute. So I bought one of those. There you go. What are you buying? Yeah. I bought one of those those things. Guess how much I paid? I paid uh $20 plus whatever the proxy shipping is going to be. So those <laughs> are not going up in value. Okay. All right. So, Tyler, do you have any further thoughts on, you know, the insularity of the high end versus, you know, the casuals and and condition? I mean, when when people are talking about the high end stuff, like uh, one of the things that's going around Instagram is uh, some Super Mario Brothers 3. Of course, of course, Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, sold for some ridiculous thousands of dollars complete in box. Like, that's the stuff that you see going for ridiculous prices. You're going to see some Legend of Zelda. You're going to see a Punch-Out. You're going to see a, a Contra sell for some stupid price in some really nice complete in box condition. But I could tell you, I just bought a, uh, a Mint Complete FIFA International Soccer on Sega Genesis to get a POG upgrade on that title. Uh, and it cost me probably double what the guy spent to ship it. So if you're staying out of that, you know, AAA Nintendo range... I, I don't think that you're in this kind of hellscape where condition has all become like the be all end all. And now prices are 10 times as high for the super nice, the mutant virus. Yeah, that's 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 kind of what I wanted to get at, where, where I wanted to take this a little bit, because I know as, as despite the fact that we do have people that do kind of play in that high end that listen to this podcast, I sure would like to also like talk to the to the the listener who is maybe just like getting into the hobby or which is probably not very many people that are listening to this podcast but um people that sort of have just kind of decided that like sealed graded is not for them or like even just like graded or like high you know they don't they don't want to like function in that that sort of echelon of, of this hobby so for those people like does your advice to them as far as like condition um change like if if they if they've decided that they aren't going to be the person who's going to care about the difference between a nine point six and a nine point eight, like for those people, do do we still like say that this you know buy the best condition item that you can if you're not going to play in that market? 
I mean, I, th- I buy what makes you happy. You don't have to think about the value of your thing long term. I feel like it's it's so unlikely. Whoa, Tyler. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I know, Johnny. I know. Whoa. <laughs> That's a crazy what? sentiment. This is so- a hobby? <laughs> I'm not supposed to be a profiteer? Johnny. I'll cut your fucking throat, Tyler. I'm Johnny, making that you money. Didn't, you, didn't, you didn't tell me that while I was gone, you replaced our co-host. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I... Yeah, I don't know what that was. Uh, I'm sorry. I collect for the fun of it. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I spend what I can afford to lose, which has kind of always been my advice. But that is, man, if some of these guys uh, can afford to lose what they are spending, they're doing so much better than me and more power to them. Yeah, they're like dentists and shit. Yeah, they, I mean, I'm a professional. I have, you know, you're a professional. We have... Uh, we, we do okay, but you know, I'm not spending $75,000 on a video game. And if I did, if it became a zero, I would be very sad about it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I would, I would feel objectively very sad. Whereas right now my, like my $200 game becomes a $5 game. I'm just like, well, I guess that kind of sucks, but I still got this game and it's not going anywhere. So whatever, <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't hurt my feelings because it's, I wanted it for my collection anyways. The value, uh, the monetary loss doesn't matter if it's not really for sale. I mean, all of my stuff is for sale, as you know, but you know, I'm not actively selling it. I didn't buy it to sell it, so I didn't lose anything by it losing value. I have already spent the money. It's gone. It doesn't matter anymore. Right. Yeah, and and to the, the people that Stefan is theoretically talking about that may or may not be listening to the show... I don't know if they are. I think you already know if you're one of these people who conditional rarity is everything. And I would guess if you're in that group, you're probably not one of these people who are like, oh my God, one of the inner flaps of my Mario 3 box has a dent on it. Uh, It is now garbage because I I will never be able to get a high grade on it. Like most of us, like I would bet like 90% of people listening to the show, they buy a nice condition game and they look at it and they're like, is the fate is the edge of the box that's going to face out on the shelf? Does that look pretty good? Because if it looks good, then I could put it on my shelf, forget about it forever, and it'll look nice on my shelf. Mm-hmm. And that's kind yeah, of I- where I'm at with most of my games. Like I try to get nice stuff, especially uh, kind of in the the same realm. That first party Nintendo stuff, I'd really like to have a nice Chrono Trigger, a nice Super Mario Brothers three. While I'm putting in editor's notes, I know Chrono Trigger is not a first party Nintendo title. You know what I mean? The nice stuff. Don't don't send me messages. Thankfully, I have all that before that crazy stuff, the crazy stuff now started. But for like, for the mutant virus, the mutant virus is my favorite example, just because I hate it. It's a horrible game. The mutant virus, if like that left edge of the box looks nice, I could stick it on my shelf and forget about it. Uh, When I was putting together my Super Nintendo set, which was the first set that I did, and I was mainly going cart only unless I, you know, cared about the game and then I would buy it CIB. But uh but I was obsessed with whatever the condition of the top of the label that faced out when they were sitting on the shelf. Like, that's all I cared about. So, like, I, I eventually did replace a couple things, but, like, a couple games that I bought, like, the <laughs> the top label was minty where the title was, and then, like, the front of the actual label was just completely effed, right? And <laughs> just, like, tore off. I think uh, uh, my, my Batman, uh, my Batman Forever was like almost like missing the entire label. And when I bought that, it was like the, the, the Delta on price was enough that like, I was like, ah, I don't care what the, what the front of that label is. I'm never going to play it. You see, and, I can't, uh, I can't deal with that. Like cardboard boxes <laughs> are kind of the exception because by and large in video game collecting, they're the thing that everyone threw out, everyone crushed. 
they have the most condition problems. But carts, there are millions of cartridges. There are millions of Sega Genesis cases. There are millions of Sega Saturn cases. So it is so easy to find those oh, in uh, at least I, decent condition. I, I think I disagree with you about Saturn cases, but... Well, all like, right. I mean... In I decent condition? There are millions like of the them. Like the inserts in of Saturn condition? cases, I guess. Okay, okay. And even them, those are like the worst condition paper. But... Yep. <laughs> I'm like, this is not a great example. You want to move on to something else? Uh, well, I, it's still easier to find a 9 out of 10 condition random Saturn game than it is probably to find a random 9 out of 10 condition NES game. Probably. Probably. Um, yeah, and I, I, I was just kidding with you about Saturn just because I, what a that system, those cases and that... The idea of that was so dumb. Like, why is the CD tray so big? And why... Why is the manual so long? And why aren't there more things keeping that manual, like, held down? So they designed it, and they're like, we're going to put a foam block in some of these cases. And they're like, this is good design. We did it, guys. We should yeah. keep using this case design. Well, no, you know the foam block came afterward. They're like, oh, shit. It kind of sags in the middle because it's so long. What should we yeah, do? They're probably, like, sitting on the shelves for days. And it was like, oh, man, these games look like garbage. <laughs> You could yeah. tell which games nobody wanted to buy. Yeah, they're like, should we put like a hard piece of uh, like cardboard behind this thing to keep that manual in there nice? Like we could just put something in there that like covers the whole thing and protects the disc. Or we could just toss this foam block to make sure it bows in the middle. <laughs> what a piece of garbage. Yeah, I, you know, there's there's not a great way, but I do tell people with our Saturn cases, if you lay them down lengthwise on the like with the manual face down and then rotate the case the backside will still have the spine letters up so you could display it i don't like stacking games like that because it's a pain in the ass to grab them but i think if you were trying to keep your saturn games in the best possible condition that would be the way to do it so disc precariously you know dangling or resting upon that phone block and manual uh face down nope not going to do it, Johnny. We've discussed this before. My life is too short. I want my Saturn games to look like video games on a shelf. I mean, they still would look like video games on a shelf. Not weird stacked video games on a shelf. <laughs> I, I mean, there are many. And even if I did that for the bulk of things, like my good stuff is on its own shelf displayed. I'm not going to display them <laughs> face down in a stack. That, but for... you won't know they're face down because if you rotate it, the spine is. But my good is stuff is facing up. manual out. Because I got got to show off my my Daytona and my Panzer Dragoon Saga, Johnny. They're the coolest yeah, the, thing on that shelf. The actual worst thing you can do on Saturn and Sega CD games and long box PS1 games is put them in one of those like book displays, which puts it at a, an angle. So then, the, then your manual is just really getting hammered. Mm -hmm. Wait, one of those book displays? Yeah, like, you know, those like, uh, you know, that... It's just like so you have it displayed at a slight angle. Oh, so Basically, it's like facing upwards, so the do. manual is like falling. It's like, it's like yeah. yeah. I guess yes. that would be the worst thing you could do. I've never seen anyone do that. So I mean, you do it in like half your Instagram pictures. Oh but yeah, it, like yeah. But if you were like like because those are usually on display shelves, you know, for mm -hmm. not necessarily for games, but that would be the worst thing you could do. Don't do that. Good There's your condition Johnny. tip. Don't don't do don't that. Do that. Um, but okay. So a lot of what we're talking about when like in the micro condition upgrades is really driven by the sealed market, but how do we feel about like CIBs? Is this, is there a huge gulf 
on prices and you guys are a little more in tune to this than I am on like say a nine, like a nine or like a 9.4. Like, does that even happen on, on open stuff? Like, you know, CIB is it like, what's the difference between an eight and like a nine? Is that, I have no is there idea, a big John. price premium? Well, I, I don't even know what manual grades look like. Johnny. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it also depends on, on it. Well, it's proven itself to, to uh, depend greatly on the title like the really? Left Bros Mario 3 post of today. Um, you know, I think that, that there's... Well, and I think <clears throat> the the more... Because we've talked about it a bunch of times how there's just not enough sealed games to satiate demand. And I think that it will become more and more of an issue as these people who are looking to buy sealed games and just can't continue to buy up the CIB... Uh, the CIB supply, and then it'll be just like essentially like, oh, there's no more sealed games, so now the CIB market is just like, just like the. You know the sealed games uh, don't disappear, and neither do the CIB games. No games disappear; they just go to people who want to flip them like immediately six months later, <laughs> and then they're back in the market again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. actually, sealed games have never been more available for purchase. That's certainly true. Let's see. I want everybody watch. This is I'm getting off Stefan's topic. I'm so sorry for the tangent. The right. Oval Seal Mario that just sold for eighty four thousand dollars, super rare sealed Mario. I want to check every single uh, signature heritage auction going forward until the end of time. Tell me how many sealed Oval Seal Marios show up from now until the end of time. All right, Stefan, continue with your point. <laughs> is this a is this a note for like Tyler of the future? No, it's a <laughs> note for everybody. Because um, all this one of a kind amazing stuff seems to appear every single signature auction. It's amazing. No, but and but I, I've also noticed like the the people who are collecting at that high end are starting to try to like use that angle to to hype up CIB. Like like the the statement that I've been seeing a lot is that it's more difficult to find a nine point six. Uh, CIB game as than it is to find a 9.6 uh, well, sealed game. That just goes back to that classic somehow... argument. You know, is a is a 9.6 A plus plus better than a 9.8 A plus plus? Right or an right. A plus? But that it's just classic crazy argument. Be, yeah, it's, and it's just crazy to me that people are now are now trying to say that um, you know it's it's making it they're trying to make a case for cib being more desirable than sealed because it's more difficult to find in in a high grade yeah i i think that's all hogwash sure i don't disagree with you <laughs> yeah i like it's still happening uh, yeah oh no no i i know the people who are making those arguments and, and like guys it's hogwash you know why because if if you're gonna tell me i should pay a premium for this opened item versus the same condition sealed one i'll just take the sealed one because it's sealed and that right. will eventually hold the premium. Get the F out of here if you think I'm going to pay you sealed money because, well, this one is a really rare, like, you don't find this one open in this condition. Well, yeah, no, who, I just, but I, it? I think no, they're just, just, I know what they're doing. Sure. It's bullshit. Yeah, they're just, they're just they're trying to prep the market ahead of time for yeah. when there aren't there's no sealed supply, and then they can say, "Oh well, CIB was more important anyway, or, or more difficult to find anyway." All right. Also, another mental note, Tyler, come back to this episode when there's no sealed supply. Let me know when when that supply runs out, and everyone, <laughs> all these people are just going to keep the game forever. 
They're all forever well, collectors. No one's looking to flip these ever. So, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Because they're investors, they... That's what I mean. There's Sealed games have never been more available than they are right now. Because these people, they're not me. They're not you, Tyler. They're not Stefan. This shit is for sale. That is its primary function. Its function is to be valuable, right? Mm-hmm. And to make money. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. There are investors in lots of different things. It's in all the big hobbies. It was bound to happen. But, you know... Someone like me, that's not where my value lives, right? That's not my, like, if I was hoarding all the sealed games, that would be a problem because, you know, you would have to pay me an absorbent amount of money to pry them out of my hands, right? You know, even worse, all the sealed games that go into Tyler's home, those things are dead. They're in a coffin. They're being buried with him. They're never coming back. You might as well delete. Like, you can put out your population report, (laughs) but you might as well just f***ing delete that one because it no longer exists. And with most, like most of these collectors, that isn't the issue, right? Those ones are just going to keep rotating through the market. I've told you it's a big, um, hmm, what's a nice way to say this phrase? It is as if something is going in a circle. And these jerks are, you know, just passing amongst themselves. If you see, see what I am <laughs> trying jer- to these get, these jerks it. are passing them among themselves in a circle. <laughs> yes. I just want to make sure I got that right. Yes, that that is correct. You <laughs> nailed it. Thank you for explaining. <laughs> Some kind of belligerent. I don't, I don't know an alternate phrase for that, Johnny. I'm sorry. I'm coming. Up, but it's just, it's yeah. not coming to me. Um, I'm tired. It's been a long day. I don't have <laughs> I don't have the vocabulary to assist me at this moment uh, from what I would just normally say. I'm trying to be a little family friendlier, even though I've dropped at least six F-bombs upon this episode. And, you know, it's weird when I learn that kids listen to this show, like when they send me messages saying, hey, I love your podcast. I'm 13. I'm what? sorry. And then, yeah, like I got that and I got a, I got a 13 and a 14 year old within two days. And for you kids, to, what I'm saying about condition, don't worry about guys, just buy carts. Were they asking Please. you to uh, evaluate their sticker seal Mario? Uh, no, they were like, <laughs> I love your podcast and we love collecting games. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm glad you guys collect games. That is sweet. Um, I was like, I hope it's like, I would say PlayStation two, but now that's bad. I hope it's PlayStation three, like something. No, affordable. they want the good stuff, Johnny. They do. These they, are the, they def- the wrong generation kids who are like, I should have grown up with NES. Super Mario Brothers 3 is the coolest. Yeah, these are the Dennis's of today. Yeah, so. I did see like one time I saw like a, at Portland, I saw this like eight year old carrying around a TRS-80 that he was like super jazzed that he bought. And he's like, I'm going to go play Zork. I'm like, <laughs> where did this kid come from? Yeah, like, wow, did... Did uh like I don't know some thirty eight year old nerd in nineteen eighty eight die and just yeah, came like, back in your body? What happened? It's like it's big, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's funny. I have a pointed question for you. Or it's not pointed, just a, a directed question. I, I wanted to ask you guys if there were any uh, circumstances in which you prefer poor condition games, and the reason why I wrote that down is because for me um that was when i was collecting my loose sets of super nintendo and nes and at that point there was a lot i don't even you know i don't know if there's a lot of talk about uh, about fake games anymore as there were when i seemed to be um putting that set together because there is so much like authenticity checking now and there there wasn't necessarily that um back then but um but i almost preferred for the really high end as far as like rarity is concerned games like you know samson or um or uh i don't know 
Pocky and Rocky 2 for the Super Nintendo. Like that that sort of like $100 and up game I I sometimes enjoyed like um uh, like mom and pop rental stickers or like kids names or stuff like that just to like lend a little bit of like faith and I don't know if it was just me like being uh, naive or not but like thinking that you know a little bit of damage sort of proved out that it wasn't a fake game um so i would i would look for high-end games that were um not completely effed but like not pristine either like suspiciously clean you get like a seven and seven nine point two yeah 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 but like that was like that was my wheelhouse like i was specifically going for like those medium condition examples of those games because i was so terrified that i was gonna buy a fake and at Possibly that was a lot to do with the fact that I was so new to collecting at the time because I just like sort of dove into set collecting. And uh, so I was buying up a lot of stuff and and um, without maybe that that uh, kind of background on how to identify fake games. And so like I think I was so terrified that I was going to buy something fake that um, that I was looking for that like loved look because it made me feel better about my purchase. Sure. Uh, Tyler, go ahead. What, like, I think I know Tyler's answer, but I'm curious what he says. So when I buy something super fancy, uh, like my Star Fox Super Weekend, it has a mark on it. It's like an indentation, almost like someone uh, basically made a check mark using it as a, a clipboard. Thanks to whoever did that. So I got that and it's like, oh, this is a, a basically it, it's you can't even see it unless you hold it reflecting to the light. But it's basically f***ed up in a way. <laughs> That it's like, oh, okay, this is, it's definitely real. But given the option, I would rather just have the real nice one. Like, it, I would have been able to look at it once I had it in person and and tell that it's real. So it, it gives me comfort when I see it, but it is certainly not something that I look for. And at rental labels and Sharpies, get rid of all of that garbage. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a little different. I Because I think, well, compared to Tyler, I'm not sure uh, between you and I, Stefan, but I am the least condition sensitive, I think on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, because, well, I mean, for, for a number of factors and we'll get, you have this question about like checking boxes that'll come mm-hmm. up in a second, but you know, I don't like, because this is going into my hobby and I want to own things, the things, and like Tyler talked about a little bit, the stuff that is like super important to me, I like to have a nice copy, but it doesn't even need to be like gem mint or anything. It doesn't need like, I thought very briefly about buying a few games sealed just very briefly. And then like looked at the price and and still, even though there are my absolute childhood favorites and still was like, this isn't worth that to me. This isn't worth that kind of money. That's ridiculous. So like nice is fine. I do like rental labor, like rental stickers. Uh, as long as it's not like a horrible one, like if it's on the side of the cart, I hate ones like plastered over the middle, but I didn't hate when like, you know, you get a manual and it's got like a rental sticker on the inside or on the cover. I'm not that like, I'm not that like, oh God, got to fix this about it. I kind of like them seeing where things came from, like seeing all the names of like 80s video stores that no longer exist. Uh, I would, I would pay extra money if I could find like a, a, a game from the rental store that I went to as a kid. Like oh, wizard, I was actually wizard I was video about this tonight. Yeah, like if I could get something from Wizard Video, which uh, Stefan, where you live, like you know that like where there's a like oil change place, like kind of right when you come out in that like really kind of shady looking liquor store. Mm-hmm. Well, in front of that oil change where like the hair salon is, 
Mm-hmm. There used to be a place called Abe's Deli. It was like a cool Middle Eastern guy who used to make me sandwiches. But uh, there was a place called Video Wizard. And uh, I used to rent my games there. And they had like weird, obscure games. Because it, it wasn't like Blockbuster. They just got whatever. You know, and this was like during the Nintendo and Super Nintendo era. So I got lots of weird stuff from that. So I would pay a premium for a Video Wizard sticker on something from Simi Valley. Uh, yeah, I absolutely would. Um, just to throw that out there, since we're talking about it, my stores were Star Video and Video Row in South Pasadena, California. So if anyone does happen to come across that label, I too would pay a premium for one of those games. My store was Hollywood Video, and I want none of that. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like I have another one. So, uh, Stefan, where the Vons is in the corner where like Subway is. That like very corner used to be something called Alamo Video, and I actually bought out their stock at one point um, of empty boxes. So I have like N sixty four boxes with their stickers. But oh, the Video Alamo Wizard collection. Cool. Yeah, but Video Wizard that is pedigree. the one I want. So I like how we're, we're squarely canvassing our Simi Valley listener demographic. Today. Yeah, like hey, uh, check those <laughs> you know the Vons the is. Yeah, is that? Uh, is that a fifty dollar game you got for sale? How about a hundred dollars if it's got the right sticker? Yeah, it's, um, no, it's uh, like I like that kind of stuff. I I don't love when I like see a kid's name. Like, okay, Chris Miller, cool. I'm glad you owned this Nintendo card. Who gives a shit? That I don't like. Like, I for some reason would rather have a rental sticker on it than some kid's name written down. I'm like, I don't they're, fucking they're- care about you. Get out of There's here. There's a couple that I have that are just like if it's charming, like if the kid wrote it themselves. Like I have the, I have a, a a few cartridges uh on the super from a girl named Genevieve and it's clear like with a backwards G and it's it's clearly like she wrote her own name on these games and I think that's kind of charming. But uh, I guess it it's 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 conditional for me. Yeah. Not it, to uh Yeah, I that that stuff isn't for me. But um yeah, like I used to do the same thing you did. Like I I would buy something a little little less nice and also because i didn't care about it being super nice like if there was a condition premium which you know back yeah, then there the wasn't discount. yeah like if it's a 200 hundred dollar game and i'll get it for 180 or 175 and it's like it's not horrible or something it's like well you know i'll just i'm like especially back in the day i was trying to amass you know it, it's a numbers game you know, I can't be condition sensitive on it, everything because, uh, and like I could have been, but not if I want to, to amass this quantity, right? Uh, I am never going to have the amount of money that I would like to have in which to buy everything I own in mint or sealed condition. That is just unrealistic for the, you know, 10, 11,000 games I have in, in this house. So, and I knew that that was like something I was striving for even when I was at like 2000 games you know, or a thousand games. So it was always like, all right, Johnny, it's, uh, you know, the quantity versus quality argument. It, it, we're looking at quantity in most situations. So do what you can for quantity. Not that I'm saying I recommend that, but that's definitely how I was doing it. No, and I'm, I'm still there with you. And that has kind of followed me throughout my entire collecting life. Because if you go, you look back at my copy of, uh, classic series zelda 2 is one i could think of my contra is not great the games i bought in the mid 2000s are generally pretty shitty because i went and i bought the 35 dollar copy of contra 
and now it's basically too late to upgrade them. Like, I've already checked that box. I have a Contra. I do love Contra. It would be nice to upgrade it, but I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars to upgrade my Contra box. That's ridiculous. When, like you, I'm always looking forward to the next thing. It's like, that box is checked. I can put it out of my mind. I can go, what am I working on right now? Yeah, and and I, uh, I'm i totally with you there. Like, a lot of my newer stuff is all, like, nice. You know, like, I my condition oh, yeah, preference like, is like much nicer now than it was in 2007. You know, I've kind of, I've kind of moved past my mistakes. And it's like, all right, starting now, Tyler, you have standards. You're an adult. Now you have a job. Stop buying this garbage. Just buy eight out of 10 stuff going forward or better. And, uh, we'll fix this, but we got yeah. quantity. we got to make up quantity. We have to own every video game. That's what the squirrels in your head are telling you. Do you it, it think is. that would have still been the case? Like as your collection journey matured that your tastes got i don't know if refined is the right word but sure um do you think if the market wasn't pushing for condition up you know like high-end condition do you think do you think you would still feel that way or like just just because you are maturing as a person or do you think the market is sort of driving you in that direction too no i think i would still feel this way like definitely market pressures uh you know push collectors in a direction like mm-hmm. the market flows and collectors flow in that direction you know yeah because like i didn't i didn't give a fuck about uh, that's gonna be a really long bleep, bleep. um I, I, I really didn't care about sealed at all like at all until like the, until this last couple of years and now i have i still like don't collect i quote unquote don't collect sealed but i have like a small selection of things that i like that i wanted to get sealed and that was a hundred percent pushing put the market pushing me that way yeah see and i don't like you know i still don't really buy sealed i have stuff that like incidentally i get sealed but i don't i still don't push for that but i did get to the point where you know also the amount of money i have has increased my bills have also increased you know with it but my you know well especially before i had jd uh my son I was like, okay, well, I can afford to do a little better than this ripped box, okay? So, sorry, <laughs> uh, cry. What is it, the Cryon Quest or whatever? Um, <laughs> let me let me get a box that isn't ripped in half, because like yeah. I got like that's the other thing. Like back in the day, you could legitimately buy lots, and I, I hear all those people. I buy lots, and they like show a uh, you know forty water sealed games, and like I bought all these, you know, or like I bought this guy's mint collection. Yeah, I'm not talking about going out and spending ten or twenty thousand dollars on some dude who's getting out of collecting because the the hobby's insane right now. I'm talking, uh, you know, neighborhood lots and you know eBay. Here's like a hundred Nintendo games, or I'm at the flea market and I can buy all these games for $300 or one of them for $10. And I'm just like, I'll take them all. And these 10 check a box. Cause I collect for sets like that. That's the other reason that condition is, was less prevalent because it was like, uh, but now I'm at a point where I'm buying like, really, I buy individual games, you know? Yeah. Uh, but if I buy a lot, like you've, you've been with me when I've bought a lot of games, mm-hmm. you know, like in Portland, when I bought like what was like two hundred or three hundred Wii games or something, yeah, I was not agonizing over condition. Okay, I was just like, who gives a shit about this this uh, Wii Play game? Like you know whatever it is, Wii Spies, Wii Medieval, whatever it is. And I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. like. Who you don't gives take the GameStop about? stickers off your Wii games, Johnny. That drives me crazy. <laughs> Respect uh, your games. 
those stickers, like those games aren't worth the amount of time, especially since they aren't displayed to take those stickers off. Every game is worth your time. Oh yeah, let me like spend an hour of my time getting a f***ing blockbuster sticker off of a Two dollar Wii game. It's a hobby. This is what the hobby is, Stefan. No, we take the care hobby. of it. No, it's not. Collections. The hobby is checking the box. God damn it! The checking box. The box that happens to have a big sticker on it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't understand. Your squirrels are telling you something else, and mine are like, Mm-mm, "We got more nuts to gather." This idiot's yeah. over there scrubbing stickers, and I'm over here researching. Yeah, all the all the deals that I missed in the time that I was scrubbing that sticker off. Well, so we talked. To, I, I think we kind of already covered it because you know we we're going to talk specifically about do uh, bad condition items check the box or if it, is it worth buying into a bad condition item to check a box for a collection? And I think we've kind of already talked about that organically. But did anybody specifically want to talk to that, Tyler? I'm trying to think. I would say no, but then I'm looking. I'm like looking around to see what have my actions said about this. <laughs> do I listen to my own advice? Uh, yeah. Do I listen to my own advice? I would say no. In any case, is the best answer to pick. But I did want a Castlevania hang tab, and I don't have an unpunched Castlevania hang tab. I think I have three Castlevania hang tabs right now, and all of them are punched, and that makes me sad. It would be better to probably sell them all and buy one nice one. Uh, but that involves selling games, which I won't do. So, right, so I told you, anything that goes into Tyler's collection, delete it from the population report. It does not exist. <laughs> I mean, Dead. like, if I was buying a, an NWC or New Leaf or something like that, I would probably settle for, like, acceptable condition, like a, a 5 or 6 out of 10, maybe. But I still wouldn't go completely wrecked on those. Well, and that's... See, I, and I disagree with you there. So if something you're going to find, like a once-in-a-lifetime find, I'm not going to suddenly turn my, my nose up and get snobby. I'm like, well, this label is not a nine, and that's really not my preference. I think I'll pass. Come back when you have something of value, won't you? No, it's not what I'm doing. Um, you know, if, like, the Sega Championship card I have, right? The Blockbuster Championship card. Mm-hmm. That label is not great, but you just don't see a lot of them. So I wasn't going to be like, well, I guess I'll wait. Because especially yeah. in this hobby where prices can grow exponentially overnight, that's like that seems insane to me. So yeah. in some ways, the rarity of an item, and there's very few games that fall into this category, but the rarity of the item also dictates what my my level of acceptedness for condition is. Also, the level of the deal also dictates how condition sensitive I am and like whether it checks that box. So for instance, um, I just bought this game and I just posted on Insta. It's Colin McRae Rally 2.0 for the GBA. It's hard to find on the PS1 for some reason. I think it's kind of expensive on the Xbox. It's uh, really hard to find on the GBA. It is a, a cross-platform generic race game i don't understand race games and i don't understand the mind of the people who collect them but there's a dedicated following so race game fanatics forgive me i don't know what the hell drives these in their prices but a lot of them get very expensive this game was like suddenly went from like a hundred dollar game to a six hundred dollar game overnight like 
because not I say overnight, but none had sold in like a year and a half. And then the one that sold went for 600 and then the next one went for 700 and then a private sale for another 700, you know? So it was just like, people are weird, Johnny. Well, this is GBA. It's not even like counts as weird game boy people. Okay. So, and (laughs) and that's fine. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, but when this one, like one came up with a really shitty box, the manual was pretty nice and the cart was pretty nice. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll throw it a bid, uh, you know, at like what cart would be like, there was literally a manual on eBay for $250 and carts are going for like $60. I won the auction for like 40, $36 and $4 shipping. So the box was trashed. I put it in a box protector. It looks all right. That's checking the box for me because that's like the level of deal there is so ridiculous. Sure. Like I, I, that's a game like I would consider like maybe flipping. And then like, if I got, let's say I got like 400, maybe then I want to pay 200 to get the upgrade. Like that's something I would consider doing, but that's, that's the other big part of this, right? If the deal is too good, then the condition, like what I care about the condition also goes down. I'm, I'm not, like I said, turning my nose up and passing on a deal because it doesn't meet my, uh, my rigid standards, which aren't very yeah, rigid. I, and I, I think I'm I'm similar to you too, Johnny, in that um uh not not so much the the deal portion, but the um when you start talking about like the top one percent in a set, like my my like bad condition games checking boxes is really um uh, pertains to you know building building out sets. Um, I think maybe if I was buying like a one-off game for just like if I wanted, I don't know, Night Trap for the Sega CD. I don't collect Sega CD as a set, but like if I wanted that, then maybe like condition, I'd be a bigger stickler on yeah, condition absolutely. if I just like wanted a specific game. But when you're talking about uh, building out a set, like I definitely reconsider my standards when we're taught when we get into the stadium events or get into the magical chase and in fact Jet- magical chase is a, a perfect example because uh until i sold it to a friend of mine oh, um you're that, a swell uh, guy I my love you. my um my turbo set was complete or almost complete right i said i said i said i had a cic you know complete in case set except that stadium events was missing its manual uh, I mean, not statements, I'm sorry. Uh, Magical Chase was missing its manual. And I was okay with that. That checked my box. Like, I decided that I wasn't going to pay the whatever, like, four or $5,000 premium at the time that it would have been to to buy that game complete or, like, or whatever the $2,000 it was going to cost me for the effing manual. Um, that I was okay with just having the card for that particular game because um, because it was that 1%. And I just, I, I just felt like that the the delta that i would have to pay would be better invested in something else entirely different somewhere else in the collection right because at the time for whatever i would have cost whatever it would have cost me for a manual for magical chase i could have gotten a cart for outback joey right like right. And that 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 made more sense to me in my head and that's a different trade-off, I think, than just condition, because I don't have a heartbeat personal trainer complete in box because the money it would cost for me to complete Outback Joey, I'd rather spend somewhere else. But exactly. in the same sense, even for just the Outback Joey cart, the condition would be important to me because if I'm spending ridiculous money on an Outback Joey, I want that to be a showpiece in my collection. I don't want the the Mario NWC cart that looks like that has a completely ripped off label and someone wrote Mario with pen on it. And it just looks like trash. Cause yeah. that I want to feel good about spending the crazy money basically. 
Yeah, but let, like, let's say, like, if the gulf there, right, is I can spend a thousand on this or I can spend ten thousand on this. You for a thousand dollars, you're not going to pick up that copy when it's like normally a ten thousand dollar game. If That's it's tr- like. Yeah, in that case, sure. But if it's a case you where were seeing, there was a point where you like just t- talking about that specific game, right? The Mario and uh, NWC cart. I mean, there was a time in which that thing was trading for that particular game was trading for like 5,000 where like the rest of them on average condition one was trading for like 25,000. So, um so yeah, there's that de- there's definitely a, that delta to consider so when you're talking in that, about in like, the, the case ultra of that, if end. I was really in the market for a Nintendo World Championships, which I never will be. I, I would probably pass on in that $5,000 one. I would save up for the nice one that I can feel good about because spending $5,000 on trash is not something that would make me feel good. Even if it was checked, there's no box to check with Nintendo world championships. You just join the elite club of people who have Nintendo world championships. True. Uh, but like, you know, and getting into a, uh, where I think I, you know, fall off from you. There is like, I agree with your logic, that sound, except I think that, from an investment standpoint, like if I pay five thousand for this now, can I can I get ten thousand for it later? Is that a thing that can happen? Am I am I missing an opportunity here? And I don't sell very many games, but on something like that, you like is that a question you have to ask yourself? I mean, not you. I mean, if you're going for future value, I think the best condition thing will always be the best thing to buy. Yes, but even if that's even out of in your crazy range, times, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if like the very, very high end, like the 0.1% of like headline sales are, are good investments, but still best. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about super niche scenarios. My, my example yeah. with the, the Colin McRae, that that's like, but that's a, like a huge gulf. Right. And the, the other part of that oh, equation yeah, is I probably would have yeah. bought that too. Cause that's, yeah. that's no one is, that's I don't not care a show, about that game. showpiece yeah. game. You're going to throw no. that in a box and never think about it again. Exactly. That's And that was a big factor, right? Now, I waited a long time to get Kid Dracula. I bought a nice Kid Dracula when I finally found one, and I got it for a great deal when I did <laughs> oh, it. Oh, fantastic deal. Waiting was the right move, Johnny. It, like, it didn't weirdly, increase tenfold in price. Uh, it, well, I got it for $250, and this was back in like 2017. So I did okay, I think. Or 2018. I'll have to look at my list. Okay, but I mean, you probably you certainly did now if you bought anything in 2017. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. not anything, but not anything. Ah, but coronavirus. Yeah, whatever. You bought anything in 2017. You're doing great. Yeah, doing doing great. <laughs> um, PS2 games. You're a genius. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, I, but I waited. But there wasn't like it wasn't like I was passing up on them. I like the ones I passed up on were like really they were trash. You know, they were like really bad condition ones and i wanted you know it's part of my castlevania collection so i wanted it to be a little nicer so yeah that actually um that's actually a perfect segue into something that i wanted to talk about um as far as like rock bottom requirements on condition like is there and maybe not even necessarily like for your own collections but like things that we should impart like like Things about a game that could be such a large red flag that, like, under any condition, Ooh, like, yeah, yeah. or like, the, here, here is a thing, a condition related thing that you should absolutely walk away from. Do you guys have any of those yeah. that, that that you want to talk about? Yeah, I want to ask your guys' opinion on this. Okay, perfect for you know Nintendo games. Box is super nice, missing an inside flap. Nope. Yay or nay? Nope. Don't want. It. I mean. I have a super <laughs> nice first print Zelda that has no inside flap, and uh, 
So when we were going through the gold rush of everyone looking through all their games and be like, oh, what do I have that's a first print? That was one of the ones I found. I saw it didn't have an inside flap. I immediately went to Forgotten Freshness. I'm like, get me a better conditioned Zelda. I need to have this, this better thing in my collection. So for, for me, on, on this particular thing, the, the inside flap, um, I'm, I have a, a little bit of a requirement on it. It's whether or not... because. Some of those inside flap tears, if they're torn off, they are fray- the box is frayed to the point that you can tell when it's displayed on its edge. You can tell that that, yep. that that flap is missing. If I can tell that that flap is missing from looking at it like edgewise on a shelf, then I will not. I'm not into that. But if I can't tell that that flap is missing, I I generally don't care. Okay, so my rule is, uh, same as you, Stefan, like, as long as I can't tell from the outside, if the tear does not extend into the side of the box, one flap, fine. Two flaps, no effing way. Because then the top of the box doesn't close right anymore. Like, one flap will yeah. still kind of, like, it's it kind of, like, tilts up. Yeah, like, like I don't want, like, it, it is still part of me, like when I find a game that has missing flap, I'm like, mm, let's mark this as a potential upgrade candidate, especially if I care about the game. Um, but if it's missing both flaps, it's just like, this is, this is trash. This is absolutely not. So, uh, but like minimum one or like can't even close. All right. I've got a couple specific examples I want to ask about. Okay. So I know we, we know we talked about uh, Tyler's sort of obsession with label condition, but so this may be a Johnny question, but is there like a percentage of label that has that you are like you have a requirement for as far as having it be okay to check the box? Like if it is if like twenty five percent of that front label is missing, is that a no go? Like is there a, is there a hard requirement for you on on percentage of label? Uh, so on my labels, I would like the whole label to be there. That's not to say that I don't have a few with like torn labels in there or like big stickers on them. Um, or like, like, or has like, if most of the label is still, still there and it has like some rental, like there was a previous rental sticker and it's got like that little like white lined hair depends where it is too. Like if it's like on the face of a character or on the title, like I need to be able to see the title of the game. It also depends. Uh, like I was saying, like, where did it fall into the collection? Is it a box filler? Is this like literally something I'm just checking a box and I I, I don't care? It's like Metabots Golf mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, <laughs> or is this like Zelda? Like, obviously, my my Legend of Zelda for Super Nintendo is beautiful. And there's no way I'm dealing with a damaged label there. But, you know, like Excalibur 20, whatever it is, 2019 or whatever it is. 97? 97 is that it yeah there's a nine in there i think that's it yeah so like excalibur 2097 like eh, i don't know what that label looks like it's probably fine but i i'm not i'm not thinking about what that label looks like i'm like never gonna open it even see also all your boxes all your games are complete in box so all my snes games at least are out on the shelf so maybe that's that's why i care more about label condition but i don't know but I, i care about even my box games label condition i basically i can't no gouges, no scratches. I could deal with like surface wear that you can only see when you like hold it up to reflecting. But uh, the only games I could think of are like International Superstar Soccer and Hagane are just so, so hard to find without any edge wear that it, if it's going to become like a multiple years long quest or it's going to cost me like a thousand dollars to just buy a complete in box, I'm not going to do that. I, 
obviously my, my international superstar soccer and Hagane are like as good as I could find them, but they, they pain me a little, but not enough where I can't just move on past it. All right. Also, I guess I can say I, I wouldn't buy a condition NWC. I said, uh, there is a new leaf cart on eBay that will be done by the time this episode is posted, uh, that I am going to try to bid on. And new leaf is, uh, I guess there was like, what were those new old stock ones that are found? So this one has it a was bunch a box of, of like in Georgia, they found some dude found a box of them. Yeah. So I'm going to bid on this, even though it has some wear. I don't know. This is the one we talked leaf. about, right? Like it, <laughs> we were just talking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's, it's if, not horrible. If it was horrible, I wouldn't buy it. But, uh, well, and it, like it those labels, me. like especially, especially Genesis, Genesis games that, and Super Nintendo games, right? Like if you get it from the Mexico factory, then yeah, your label looks trashy anyways. So what are you going to do? You know, sometimes it's not even <laughs> the game's fault. Like, and that's kind of where the scale I don't understand. Like, maybe does the scale at all fall apart for like water and them when they like, oh, this came from Mexico. Is this the like, would they use the the argument? Well, this is the nicest Mexico factory label you're going to find. So you want to <laughs> pay a premium? That your Majesco title is not going to be super nice unless you buy this. And I think the answer there might be yes. Like, because it's the label. I, I don't think that yeah, applies think- for sealed games, but I think like individual pieces, I think that argument holds water. Pe- yeah, people definitely are talking more about like, you know, a, a cart only game grading anything above a six is considered like bananas right well and i <laughs> think that's ridiculous games. because you could have a you could have a game that came right out of a brand new box was put into a case and then sat there and was never played like yeah so someone saying that that's instantly a six is that's bananas to me like get out of here so one thing that i'd love to talk about because we i know when we talk about condition i think just because of the types of the collectors that we are we go right to cart in our head um but i'd Whoa, love to talk about gross. a little bit about condition requirements <laughs> for disc games are you talking about um, uh, a genesis cartridge only game stefan because we better not be talking about that <laughs> stefan no, we all where, know that where collecting my collection cart is, only genesis makes you a monster where is my cart only collection <laughs> when have i ever like this is something i was never so bite your tongue no but when it, but when i'm when i'm talking about like when i talk like label conditions and stuff like that i think like like uh yeah no i'm, con- I'm th- i don't i don't think people really even consider disc I games. Yeah. I just very Sometimes. rarely get to be the elitist on this podcast anymore, so I'm just sure. taking my opportunity right now. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, for one, um, disc rot, and for the purposes of this conversation, because I think people define disc rot as a lot of different things. We'll just say area a disc that has areas of the data layer of the disc that are missing, potentially um, missing. They think right. because there's a yeah. pip in it. There's a pinhole that they see. My problem is most of these people aren't experts. My favorite on this is I just saw a Reddit thread. I say I just saw, but it was probably a month and a half ago about disc rot. And someone was showing a game on Reddit. And there was like 10 people like, that's definitely disc rot. And then there was 10 other people like, no, that's fine. That's you're not even going to know. That's might not even be disc rot. And then. Right. But like. 
But people also just like when they see physical damage, like oh, if I took like a pin and like scratched yeah. the top of a top label of a of a CD, and then they go, oh, that's disc rot. No, that's physical damage to the disc. But I, you know, I I for the purposes of this question, like whether or not that is a make or break element yeah, well, for you. I, yes, um, I just we'll wanna, just like lump those in together. Yeah, well, I just want to clarify that I don't think people know how to properly identify disc rot. And then like when it came down to it, I think this was like a PS2 game. So when someone was like like a they're like, there's no such thing. Like, get out of here. Like, we haven't seen it on, on this console. Or maybe it was a Wii. Oh, it was a Wii U game. And they're like, no, they're like, Discrat doesn't happen on these games. It's got a different layer. Like, so it was right. just actually yeah. damaged. Like, the disc. And like, you DVDs should not aren't buy susceptible that. and that. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. You should not buy that because it is damaged, but that's not Discrat. Anyways, my right. point is, I don't think. So that was my question. Is, 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 I mean, does this also go back? I guess I'll start with Johnny. Like, does this also go back to, um, like what game it is like if you if it was like a rule of rose that was and i know that's a hard subject for you personally but <laughs> if it was a rule if it was a rule of rose with like a, a scratch in the, the the data layer or something like are you gonna are you still if the deal was right or like or is that like is is data missing from a game uh going to be like a breaking point for well, you well i yeah you know i don't know like i honestly don't know if it matters uh, you know, I, I have trouble talking about disc rot and people are like, yeah, it's no, this game doesn't exist. You just bought nothing. You're like, well, if I'm never taking Mr. Domino out of his case, and that's a fine game, if I'm never taking Mr. Domino out of my PlayStation case and playing it, it's like Schrodinger's disc rot, right? Like, right. Do I know? And do I care? Yeah. Is anyone ever going to care? Like the only, it, it, the argument only gets to be when you're selling it as to how to negotiate it. Right. And it, it, it also makes me, it reminds me of like pe- people like obsessing over the condition of, of, of sealed games. Um, one of the big points like in my head that I have against that whole shenanigan is that like we know that a lot of like, for instance, the glue that they used for the labels wasn't f***ing great. And so, like, there's a hundred percent chance that some of these like very high end, like sealed, graded games have carts inside them where the label is peeling. And you know, again, going back to that Schrodinger's, you know, Schrodinger's disc rod or Schrodinger's or Schrodinger's peeling label. Like, is it if the game is sealed and graded? Like, is you know, do you even consider the fact that there may be a, a game in there that is not as pristine as you would want to believe? No, uh, if I was buying sealed, I wouldn't even think about it because I'm never going to, again, it comes down to whether I'm actually going to open it or not. So it really only comes down, like the only time this is a consideration for me is if it's something I think I'm going to play. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean I'm going out searching for these deals. But um, for instance, uh, it's funny that this just came up. So I bought (laughs) Cotton 2 for the Sega Saturn. It's an import. The guy was like, it's got a little pinhole. I don't know if this is disc rot. It could be. So like, and they were a store. So they were just like, we can't do anything like this. The minute like anyone on eBay complains, we take a bath on this. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So suddenly it was one third of the price of a normal one. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'll gamble on that one. Sure. I put it in my Saturn. It plays fine. You know? There was there was no issue at all. Yeah. 
I guess I'll chime in and I'll also say that the people on Reddit who talk about Discrot are absolutely infuriating. If you just like go onto the Reddit <laughs> game collecting and search for Discrot and look at the pictures, you'll find like five different issues with discs and people are like, oh, it's Discrot. Yeah. No one even knows what Discrot is. I don't know what Discrot is because someone, so many sources have come around and uh, basically told me, oh, this is Discrot. And at least 80% of you guys are wrong. But anyway, I'm not like super crazy about conditions of my discs. Like I am about cartridge labels. Like I'll scratch discs. I basically have no problem with because guess what? Every disc has redundancy built in and especially DVDs and Blu-rays are like hard to even scratch. So I don't care about that. CDs are the only thing I would ever have problems with. Yeah. Good luck scratching a Wii U game. That thing is like got like an auto paint layer on the bottom of it. Like, I don't want something that looks like someone took sandpaper to it, but I, li- I literally never have issues playing discs. The one disc, I- I've told this story before because it's the one disc. It was the 3DO Star Control 2. Uh, there was a conversation that crashed the game because there was, there was literally a hole in the disc. And it's like, well, all right, I'm going to burn a disc and I'll continue playing the game. Uh, <laughs> so it really doesn't matter to me. Like, I don't want, like, if there was a- an obvious missing chunk, I-, I would probably just pass on the game. But, like, pinhole stuff, like, I believe eventually one day maybe all our cds are gonna die and you know what fucking whatever i will burn a disc it's really not that big of a deal i really mostly want to own the thing also i'm kind of on the same note i would buy a broken stadium events because i don't care it's a hundred percent a checkbox game i obviously want a pretty steep discount if it's broken but uh totally would just check that box yeah me too if it was like a super discount sure yeah my um my I, my uh, second attack bomberman second attack for uh, n64 i know for a fact it's the only thing in my n64 set that does not work i know it 100 percent does not function but it was like a 90 percent discount on a game i do not give a f- about and that was absolutely a checkbox that's sure. weird too because nintendo games like always work yeah Stephen, you know what you can do that is weird uh you can send it to wada have it graded don't check the box for testing and then it'll just be encapsulated <laughs> forever and no one will ever know. That's no what if someone ever, ever had a broken stadium events, what are they going to do? Sell it as broken? No, they're going to grade it. It's going to be a 6.0 stadium events. Man, look at Tyler working the system. Guys, go out. Hot tip from Collector's Quest. Buy broken shit. Get it gr- <laughs> as long as it looks nice. Get it graded. Sell it. No big deal. No one's ever playing it. Boom. Not your problem anymore, brah. Yeah. Like, oh, are you worried about disc rot? Send it to f***ing Wada, bro. Who cares? <laughs> never worrying about it. Dude. They'll grade disc-only games. Yeah, they will. So, uh, I, I just realized, now that we've been talking about disc rot for 10 minutes, that we fell into the trap that we always fall into on this podcast by not defining the thing we're talking about. Would anyone like to actually take a shot at telling the audience no, what you, disc rot is? You, or you did. You, well, you said it's like an imperfection in the data layer. You... So disc rot is is something that over the course of time that happens to physical disc media where the data layer uh, dissolves, just goes into nothingness. Yeah, basically the, the, the allegation is that back when they were first starting to manufacture CDs, they basically ma- made them out of garbage compared to what we make them out of now. And that the over time there is a change in the chemical composition of the medium, and that it produces actual holes in the data layer. Yeah. So, and that's like the the chemical bonding they used on the bottom of the surface 
of the disc like just evaporates. And that is, look, chemical layers do wear off. Uh, some people think disc rot can be from over time. It can be from being played. It can be from there's theories on like which which systems had stronger lasers, which therefore produced more disc rot. Like there's there's a lot going on. Um, it, it's not like it's not real, right? And there's like a lot of media that's just going to forever go away that is not protected. I think Tyler and I talked about this. Maybe we all talked about it. We did a disc rod episode once. So um, I don't remember where. Was that just in a mailbag, Tyler? Or did we sit down and talk about disc rod? I don't remember that conversation. I wouldn't listen to us on disc rod. Don't listen to anyone on the internet on disc rod. Listen to physicists and material scientists. Because there are some people that are like crying the end of the world. They're like, in 10 years, you're not going to be able to play any of your PlayStation games anyway. And it's like, where are you getting that information? Literally every PlayStation game I've ever put into a PlayStation plays just fine. And if you look at magnetic media, which is much more prone to just evaporating into nothing than uh, CDs, at least in the moment, 9 out of 10 of my floppy disks boot up the first time. And probably some of the ones that don't boot up, I can get like one of those really fancy floppy drives that looks deep with physics into the disc somehow and recover it somehow. So I am not at all worried about my games evaporating into nothing. The least of which is because I have 10,000 games and 9,500 of them I will never play. Yep. (laughs) So uh, what about you, Stefan? Do you care? Because you keep asking the question, but did you answer it? Yeah. um, I... Like pinholes never bother me. Uh, I'm more uh, concerned about like large scratches, that kind of thing. Um, like if it's if it's because if it's the difference between like oh like something in like where the audio tracks probably are. Like if it's just going to be like a song that might skip or something like that. That's going to bother me a lot less than like something uh, that's going to like damage uh you know or like make it unplayable but again like we've i think all of us have been saying that it it depends on whether or not it's a game that i feel like i'm gonna play um and and uh and the value of the game and uh, in relation to what that whatever the the cost for the item actually was so like if i did get like kuon i am never gonna play that game in my life well i don't know why it's like not a terrible game that's but (laughs) Well, for one thing, I'm just not a horror guy, but oh, that's um, true. just just like I wouldn't play Fatal Frame, even though like I know that's a good game. Um, but uh, but if I so if I got like a copy of Kuon that was like severely damaged or had like a significant scratch in it um, that made the game unplayable, um, I'd I'd take it for a checkbox if uh, if the price was right. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, it it kind of comes down to that. Let me let me flip this over to you guys on something different uh but in the in the same area and some people use this as speculation to why disc rot can happen more often or less often resurface discs what's your guys take on resurface discs um i don't mind resurface if they're using a quality resurfacer it doesn't bother me if i can like look at the surface of a disc and go that motherfucker was resurfaced um then no i'm not super into it like i i actually did return a uh was castlevania symphony of the night where uh the guy had had said it was he said it was resurfaced but then like looking at it like you saw like the passes on the surface on the surface of the disc like it was 
obviously resurfaced, whereas there are a number of high, higher end resurfacers that it's much more difficult to tell. So. Uh, I will. I'll take a scratched disc over a resurfaced disc ten out of ten times yep. because if a disc has been resurfaced, that means that it probably had an issue where it was significant enough to cause gameplay problems. And I know there are weird people who just resurface everything because they want it shiny. But when I see resurfaced disc, I think this disc yeah, had a there's, problem. There's plenty of game stores that do that. Gross. Yeah, and and like there's a there's those like. $10 hand crank nonsense, and then there's like a $200 JFJ Easy Pro that everyone's game store has, and then there's the actual nice, like, Azora disc, you know, like, industrial machines that will actually do the correct job, and no one is sending away their discs to Azura disc, they're, they're going to a JFJ Easy Pro. I just don't want to deal with it. Again, I'm not super picky on condition of my discs, but if you tell me it's been resurfaced, I'd, I'd probably pass. Oh, yeah, I, okay. I'm hard so, against... So I'm, it's like a weird thing I'm hard against. Interesting. Yeah, like please don't resurface this because I don't trust your competency. Like Tyler was saying, that that's the main issue. Also, I don't like please don't make it part of your stock thing. Like when you take in games, like let it be a service that people request that you'll do it for them if they want. But don't just blanket yeah, do it because it it also comes into this weird thing where the game has been altered. Right? It, it's like if you had the correct cardboard, would I want you to? Like, lay down, like, let's say you had, like, a, a tape strip or something, an adhere strip that, like, would be identical to the black cardboard of a Super Nintendo box, and you could just, like, lay it over a scratch and then peel up a little sticker, and then that scratch would be filled in. Would I want you to do that? No, I would not. I don't want you to retouch my stuff. I'll take it as it is. Uh, please don't, please don't alter my items. Yeah, restoration should always be the decision of the buyer yeah and that yeah, i'm totally 100 against restoration like i sent you that that uh thing in the high-end thread where someone asked if they should yeah i figured this is why you were talking about it <laughs> well no like this just in general like are you crazy like should i th my my very expensive game has a bad label should i uh i'm gonna sell it should i put a nice label on it i mean i'll, I'll give them i'll give them the old bad label but i should put a nice label on it right I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I, people what? have I've seen that kind of thinking for at least fifteen years. Yeah, and I, I don't, I, I don't get understand it. it. Like, are these people keeping well, the real label? Like, next, it it makes no sense to me. The mental gymnastics you have to go through to have like I have a fake label on this game, but I also have the real shitty label. Well, no, here's what it is, Tyler. They go, I want to make more money on this premium item. So how can I do that and not look like a scumbag that I actually am? Yeah, I, think I need to only, not be a scumbag. Time, the, I mean, it it doesn't make sense, but in my head, the only time that I could see a scenario like that, like taking place where I wasn't like, how the hell would you ever think this was okay? Is if it was someone coming from a different hobby in which restoration is accepted, like, I don't know, furniture repair. Um, you know, the, there are there are certain hobbies in which restoration is not as frowned upon as it is in, say, games. Um, I'm a German clockmaker. I replace gears because the clock. <laughs> like, what? No, get out of yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> right. That that's the only time that I would say, like, oh, okay, I understand why you're asking that question, but yeah, I'm sure those people are few and far between. Yeah. No. No. No restoration. Uh, I don't know what the take in on comics is. I I know there's like a restoration community there because you kind of have to, I guess. 
but I, I'm not for it. And especially on something dumb like the bottom of the disc. Please don't. <laughs> Leave it alone. So so in that sim- similar vein, and, and again, going back to like the, the disc-based games, you know, we all know how uh, notoriously bad the uh, big box uh, CD games are, the, the plastic shells that for uh, like early PS1 or Sega Saturn, um, there is now like a boom in... Or I'm not even gonna say boom, but like the but uh, a surge in popularity of like wholesale replacement cases for things like uh, Saturn and and Sega CD. So, what do you guys think about that? Like, do you do you would you want your like if the front face of something is shattered, uh, would you would you think about adding a completely reproduction? Uh, hard case for uh, a game like like Sega CD or Sega Saturn to your collection? No, that is madness. Uh, that was so, to be clear, there was a, just some guy who got the molds made in China and then simultaneously Limited Run Games was doing the same thing and they got the Saturn games reproduced, the cat cases reproduced as well, right? And so yeah. that first guy made two runs. He had like one run that was complete dog shit. And then I think he made a better run. I I wasn't really paying attention to it. This was a, a couple years ago, at least. Yeah, two years. So this guy announcing that he was making, supposedly at the time, there were going to be completely two-spec uh, Saturn and Sega CD replacement cases is one of the things that lit a fire under my ass to finish those sets in the condition I wanted as fast as possible because I did not want to be buying into a market that's full of reproduction cases. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that's a nightmare now. Like you can, if you're buying a, a Panzer Dragoon saga, like you have to ask, like, is this the original case? And like, if the person doesn't know, you have to know the difference between the limited run games case and the original case, which thankfully, if you feel the plastic between they're like night and day, it's, it's completely obvious if you have a replacement case right now. Um, sure. But that's, that's something that you would find out after you bought it. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that world. That's just nonsense to me. Even like, I don't want to, I don't replace the jewel cases on a PlayStation game with, uh, like, I don't go and buy a, a lot of a hundred, uh, reproduction jewel cases or not reproduction. I guess they're just jewel cases because the quality of any jewel case produced in the last 20 years is not the same as the quality of the jewel cases from the nineties. So what you have to do in that case, you have to go to Goodwill and you buy yep. up all their NSYNC CDs and those they'll be the same Sony jewel cases and you can replace your CDs with those cases, but nothing new. All the new stuff is garbage. That that's accurate on the CD cases. I don't know how I feel about the Saturn cases, honestly, because they're so bad and so many of them. It's not it's not like a Nintendo box where the box is just kind of bad and it sits there. Some of them actually deteriorate to the point of non-use. You know, they become shards of plastic garbage. So I, I'm okay with reproductions of those cases existing. I'm okay with you buying and using them like mentally. Like I get that this is more a necessity than you want. And I don't consider the plastic shell to be pertinent material, you know, because it's not, it's not like the box of the game. It, it, the the manual, the back art, and the disc are the actual true thing. The case is just like a shitty thing they made. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, so I don't you, like. So 
I'm with you on that. I don't like look down at you if you like, well, this isn't really part of the game. I'm just going to replace it because I want it to be better. Like if you're replacing your little Samson label with a reproduction label, I'm like, yeah, no, you're that's a h- fake collector nonsense person. Yes. Like if you're replacing jewel cases, <laughs> like I don't look down on you for that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a yeah, I, I, I just want to I want to draw that line. Like I want my cases to be as original as possible. But, you know, I can see it. To, like what if I moved and like a heavy box fell on the my Saturn games or something, and all the cases just uh, turned to dust. Or if there was a light breeze, yeah, <laughs> you know, a stiff wind, and the fan. I turned the fan on, and um, like the other thing you have to look at for Saturn cases, and most people don't do this, is a lot of people replace them with Sega CD cases because Sega CD was so much cheaper for a while, and those cases mm. are not exactly the same either. So, mm. like people. I don't like most people don't even know if they have original original cases or if they have ones that were PlayStation cases or Sega CD cases on they just don't know. So there's there's different sized holes for the hinges and yep. then the tops and bottoms of the boxes have these tiny little holes. I don't even know what their purpose is, but they're different between different games. So if people ever start to analyze like Saturn and Sega CD like they do and he has yep. black box. Like the variants are probably insane. On yeah, you, you'll game. never know unless you look at a sealed collection of Saturn games because well, it, they're out there. Someone go look at them. Like I used to be able to go on eBay and just get a sealed copy of Shining Force CD. They were there forever. No, they weren't. Get out of here. They definitely were in the two thousands. Well, in the two thousand, in the two thousand, sure. In the year 2000. That's, that's a Conan O'Brien In 1997, you just go on eBay, you get a Shining Force CD, Johnny. It's not that hard. God. In, in 1997, <laughs> you probably just walked into Electronics Boutique and bought one. Babbage's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gentlemen, so we're at about an hour and a half. And, um, you know, I know my, my, my formats on the rare occasion that I am leading a podcast is a little bit different. I like to just kind of lob questions at you guys and get your feedback um so before we kind of wrap this up and go into the second portion of the show is there anything specific related to this topic that you guys would like to talk about that we have not covered yet uh i think i'm okay no we miss anything tyler condition any anything weird like we talked about like weird exceptions flaps uh you know disc resurfacing those are like kind of my big ones because i think those are Issues everyone deals with. Oh, oh here's one that 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 I got bugs one. me a lot, yeah. and and maybe maybe uh, you guys have a different opinion than I do because I f-ing hate it. Uh, broken teeth on cases oh. for CDs uh, or, or disc-based games, where it's to the point where it will not hold in your game. The f-ing worst. Uh, how <laughs> is that? Is that a make or break? Because it drives me batty. It's insane. I hate it so much, but it, every time I see it, it's always like, oh, I got to upgrade that one day. And I shove it back in the case and put it on the shelf and I never upgrade it. Like one so day for, I'll have to fix all that crap, but I don't have time. I don't care about CDs. That's now. future Tyler's problem. Yeah. yeah. For, for, for the probably the rare listener that doesn't know what we're talking about, especially early like PS1 cases or CD cases. Um, they had the disc is held together with these little prongs or held to the case with prongs and really the the uh earlier ones that had a lot of prongs in there are more prone to breaking and essentially if you like break off one or two that's enough for it to not hold the disc into your case anymore 
and uh, and it drives me insane. And I see a lot, especially when I was putting together my PS One long box collection, that I I ran into that so so often. Um, and some of the, especially PS One long box, because like some like for for like some of the later long box releases, the the layer of the box that. Uh, holds in the disc is like its own piece so conceivably you could replace just that piece i guess but some of that ps1 long box stuff like it's genuinely part of the larger case uh and uh and so there's no replacing that i don't think sounds like a um yeah it's 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 awful and i hate it so i wanted to mention it before we before we move on so yeah i got two other examples real quick um how do you guys feel about replacement cardboard inserts I hate them. I don't know how to identify them, so it kind of kills me, but I don't want to buy them. Uh, the only time that I, um, and, and really it's, I don't like charge a premium for them, but I will buy one uh, if I'm reselling one and just be like, hey, this is a repro, but like, but I hate it when it's rattling around. So like, here you go, um, is uh, big box Super Nintendo stuff. I will replace, like Earthbound, for instance, I will replace the Earthbound insert if it's missing, uh, just so that the cart doesn't, like, bang around in that box. I'm 100% um, for any of that, so keep going. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's uh, that's like, my... I generally, like, I don't necessarily replace all of the, um, the inserts in, like, small box Super Nintendo, where, like, the cart really doesn't, like, Ugh. go places. Ugh. But, Ugh. but there's... But there's a lot of or or like that's also like generally you can like get um I feel like inserts like actual genuine replacement inserts for like random Super Nintendo games are uh are common enough that you can buy are they them. Working Actually, on I, don't, you know, I don't know that they, that's they're still not, true, honestly. That's not true. They are hard to find. Okay. Cause cause it, it used to be true. You could buy them in like you could buy a box of them. Like I'll just buy but, any game that's five bucks or under just to steal the insert at this point. Because I, yeah. I, I bought a I bought a huge I'll say huge it was like thirty games from Instagram and none of them had the insert but they were so cheap like I couldn't pass them up it was like seven dollars a game and they were all complete in box but with no insert uh, so now I need like thirty legit Super Nintendo inserts and I probably got stuff on my shelf that has reproduction inserts I and I don't want to add more to the problem but uh, I, I don't care enough to like go and like look at everything with a magnifying glass I just don't and when we're think you're gonna find them so i think you just gotta knuckle under and buy them and just so it's said when we're talking about inserts in this case it's not like we're not talking about registration cards we're talking about the actual cardboard that holds the game in the box um and so yeah the games i i I wanted to mention that because i'm going to use the term game specific insert um in a in a non-conventional way so things like again big box earthbound where the insert is specific to that game yeah, lethal um, i will buy a reproduction yeah. or what's that um uh god what's the n64 game that has the miniature gauntlet in it yeah gauntlet gauntlet has has a game specific insert for it yep so does micro machines bt dubs on that but but again, that's not something that I will ever like try to pass off as being inauthentic. It just uh, it just bugs me personally. So I will I will uh, I will provide it when I sell it, um, and then if they and and I will disclose that it is a reproduction. And if they hate it, they can remove it, and that's not a thing. So um, you know, but I do I do personally replace the game specific inserts before I sell them. So I I will say this. I look at those inserts kind of the same way I look at the plastic shells. 
I don't care because that's not, that's not the game. It's just a thing, right? And if you don't have that thing in the box, like when you ship it, you're much more likely to get smushing damage. Same with replacement yes. foam. You know, I don't care about that. That's not, that's not actually part of the thing. Would I prefer like 100% authenticity? Yes. And like, I will swap parts around like on, like on my Zelda, you guarantee like I've got all original stuff in that and on my Final Fantasies, but I don't care about that. I would, I will take a repro insert rather than no insert. And I think because of rental stores and what happened is like a lot of those things just got tossed. They're gone. They're never coming back. There's not like a warehouse. Invest, invest in SNES things. inserts. What? Um, I just perked up. Yeah. They're rare. People threw them out. Yep. Organic collectability. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That that should be the new thing you collect is video game cardboard inserts and, <laughs> and foam. And yeah. like there's or the, uh, the, the edge covers for Super Nintendo games. Buy those. Shit. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I do Buy have a, I do have a box of like 50 of those. Like when yeah, I <laughs> when I open up a super that's Nintendo, why and that's why everyone should buy them. Yeah, when I uh, when I buy a super Nin- or when I open up a Super Nintendo game, if I ever open it up and it doesn't have one, I reach into the box and put one on. I keep it actually in my office. I'm like, oh, you get yeah, one. Same thing with NES desk covers. I have a box of NES desk covers. Yeah, like weirdly, Nintendo desk covers. I hate fake Nintendo desk covers. Just because you can still find I didn't the originals. Even know there were fake Nintendo dust covers. I just figured there were enough to go around forever. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. Is like there are those things are prevalent and they exist because they weren't paper. But Super Nintendo ones and the foam, like you just buy those. Just buy the repros and live your life better. Like Game Boy, <laughs> GBA, GBC, original Game Boy. Like you're just gonna have to own those. I don't have any problem with those. And uh, last one, and I know where we're all going to stand on this, uh, but what's your take uh, on, like, not on the boxes, the UPC cover, the UPCs when they're cut out because there was some promotion, but a lot of PlayStation games and like Sega Saturn games, like, or the Reg card was like part of the manual and it's pulled out, you know, those kinds of things where it's like the back half of the manual, something you never see when displayed, but it's got a little cut out in it. How do you guys feel about those? I am much less of like I for games don't care, but for whatever reason, uh, for magazines, I think I'm the probably the biggest magazine collector of the three of us. Um, That's an understatement. I really care. <laughs> I really, really, really care. Um, any sort of like um, I like the like the players' polls in Nintendo Power or um, or order forums or anything. Any sort of insert if that's missing, I'm 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 out. I'm out. <laughs> um, but uh, but for games, I care less. Uh, although there uh, there was like an individual case where it was like um, Mega Man Eight for or whatever it is Six for Sega Saturn. Yeah, it's eight. Is it it's, Six? It's eight. eight. It's got the red card. Um, I I obsessed over that specifically. I don't even know why. <laughs> Did you see my Instagram post? No. Okay. I made an Instagram post like, hey, everybody, does your Mega Man 8 have his red card? When was the last time you checked? <laughs> yeah. Just to piss people off. Uh, so mine does have the red card uh, because for whatever reason, it was, uh, it, I obsessed over that specific game for whatever reason. But generally, like I said, um, it, that doesn't necessarily bother me to have like UPCs or reg cards, that kind of thing torn out of games. Um, but for magazines, it drives me f-ing crazy. 
right, Tiege, what about you? Yeah, I don't want anything cut out that sounds like nonsense. I can say, so, the, if I had, like, a cutout UPC, I would be buying that because it's something I hope to upgrade later. And probably the least fun part of being a video game collector was when I finished my Xbox set and then... I had hundreds of games where I bought them and they were probably amazing deals, like less than half price for like a condition problem or a missing manual. And I had to spend the next like four months just upgrading Xbox games that I already had. And it was the worst. It was the worst feeling ever. So I just want to get the most complete, nicest thing I can off the bat now. Guys, don't be me. Don't don't settle. It doesn't matter how good the deal is forget placeholders with big problems that's not true yeah, that, that happened check a box that if happened. it's a dollar <laughs> yeah that well that, that the, the same thing can happen to me with with gamecube is uh when i did the gamecube set i bought probably i'd say 70 or 80 percent of that set all at once but knowing that there was like 80 manuals that were missing and uh and I hated that. That was the worst. Huh. Like, okay, I finished my GameCube set, and now I'm a GameCube manual collector, and this is the worst. Please kill me. <laughs> that's why manuals are dumb. Who cares? Yeah. All right. We uh, that, all right. That's all I got. So let's, uh, shall we move on? Stefan, yeah. unless you want to lead us somewhere else? No, I think we can uh, mosey on to the second part of the show, the uh, what you buy and what you play in segment. Uh, Johnny, you want to start us off? It's the second half of the show. Just Stephanie, you've done a great job hosting this episode, but it is it's called you. the second half of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, Stefan, get with us or get out. That's <laughs> right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm already on thin ice since I wasn't here last Yeah. Time. Well, you know, your guest hosting position might be available to others. Just, you know, you better firm it up here. Although I did, like I said, uh, I, I did really enjoy, um, I, I enjoyed my time tonight being able to just sort of like lob questions at you guys. I, is this what it's like to be you, Johnny? Do you feel like, is this? Because I feel superior to the two of you. Right <laughs> oh, wow. Then, yeah, that's what it's like <laughs> to be me every day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Johnny, what you buying? What you playing? Um, well, I, I told you I bought that cotton. It came. All the listeners will be excited to know I bought that Yoshi's Woolly World, the pink one, but I failed to get the blue one. Uh, it has not arrived yet, unfortunately. Um, I bought a sweet, sweet... Uh, and I can't believe Stefan isn't more excited about this and we're not even going to tell everybody, but I got a sweet thing for the Patreon. Once that ever comes up, uh, those came <laughs> in. Don't know why, like really weird. Stefan's not excited about this. I, I, <laughs> I can't find, I, I bought that Colin McRae. That was like a super good deal. Um, I bought games. I like, I bought, I want to tell you about the dumbest thing I bought. It has not come yet, but, uh, I bought some stickers. I bought like, SNK stickers, like puffy. Wow, you know, great! Like no, like like you know, like the puffy stickers from the eighties. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I bought those, but they're SNK branded ones, and they're like there's like a bunch of them, but it's got like Akari Warriors and Double Dragon, like Touchdown Fever. You get they're just stickers of them. I also bought um huh. a Nintendo uh one that so it's got like. Uh, what's it called? The deluxe box, like that Rob image on it, and it's more puffy. It's puffy Nintendo stickers. That's cool. Yeah, so, I like weird stuff like that. I was like, ah, these are kind of cool. I kind of like these. I got like a little. I have one little shelf that has dumb shit on it, and uh, it's going on the dumb shit shelf. 
Um, See, that's so, the kind of stuff that I look at now and I'm like, is this helping me achieve my collecting goals? No, SNK stickers are not helping me achieve my collecting uh, goals. It was, uh, the. I'll, I'll tell you how much I paid for all of my stickers total was $17 total out the door. So, I, I, you know, it's a lot like stickers, Johnny stamps. You might yeah. Want to get some video game stamps. I might. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about all this weird stuff I could buy. And I bought, <laughs> um, winter blast summer sports Two power pack for the Nintendo. Wii. yeah. My last double pack. I did it. Cool. I did it. I bought a Wii game. I mean, whatever those are. Some of those will probably be super hard to find one day. So good job. Yeah, I mean, who cares? It's it's Wii stuff, and I got again. I got some Halloween stuff coming in. This would also be a good time to just plug our sponsor, Red the Game Shark. If you don't know Red, you don't know import games. Get all of your import games from cheap, cheap games. Just contact Red the Game Shark on Instagram. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I bought. What did I play? Um, I, I mentioned what I I even played. So I, I played a little bit of Cotton. Uh, that's it. That's all I did. I didn't have time for anything else. Hey, Red, if you're uh, still listening, which I you do listen, one of our only friends who listens to the show, he I'm still looking for uh, the... Every time. I think what? he doesn't listen. I think he, it's a scam. Mm. All right, never mind. Red, I'm still no. looking for the thing I told you to to find for me. So come on, get it. <laughs> uh, is it my turn? What have I yeah, bought? Sure. So I, I, I'm, I've probably said this before. So usually... Uh, at any given time, I have like 40 snipes for just everything because I'm trying to get I'm trying to get underpriced anything, basically. Like I, I have all these very generic uh, searches like big box PC game or uh, NES complete in box. And I don't always go through like the save search for every NES complete in box auction. But like the top, you know, nine will hit my inbox and if something catches my eye, I'll be like, oh, that that looks nice. Let me let me throw a bid on that for 20 percent below market price. And these days, all my bids like I get like quadrupled every time. So I have almost no bids on anything. The only thing I've been buying, I think, is PC games. I'm so sorry to say. Um, so I got Full Throttle, which uh, I didn't have, which was a big gap in my LucasArts collection. I got uh, The Amazing Spider-Man by Paragon Software. And I hate to be one of those guys, but it has good box art. And it was only $25. And it has a little like one by one inch sticker proof of purchase that comes with it and i'm a super since collecting uh completing my sega genesis games i'm realizing like epilepsy warnings like no game has their epilepsy warning those were all thrown out so whenever i see an insert that's super tiny i'm just like oh, i gotta buy that game i'm never gonna see the insert again even if it's for a spider-man pc game no one cares about so what is the full title of this game uh it's the amazing spider-man uh but you'll never find it looking for that so it's the one by paragon software i think it came out in 1991 uh okay early ibm pc game it's complete garbage it's a platformer (laughs) and then uh oh do i admit this so like i said i go through every uh like big box pc game pretty much i go through every big box pc game that's the one category i keep on top of and i bought jurassic park trespasser and i feel really bad because a certain dan told me it's like one of the only pc games he was looking for but it was absolutely the right price and it was hundred percent complete. It comes with like a, a soundtrack CD and some other little insert. And it is a hard game to find complete in box. And I bought it and I feel bad. Cause he also told me about a PS2 game that he was planning on buying one day. And that time he put the seed in my head, like maybe that's something that I might want to buy. 
And there was one on eBay and I didn't immediately buy it. I gave him six months, I think. Maybe it was three months. I gave him months. And then after he didn't buy it, after telling me about it, I went and bought that. So that's two games I've stolen from our friend Dan Gomez. <laughs> I don't know that you you really gave to like you didn't tell him it was there either, I'm assuming. No, he told me it was on eBay. It was like it's like a thirty five dollar oh, okay. game. And he's like, Yeah, I gotta get that one day. That's a that's a controversial game. Which and, one? Uh, I, I'm not going to, I don't think he has it yet. I'm not going to type it. Okay. Yeah. What, what, what Dan get it? And then can... Yeah. Dan, get on top of it. It's probably hopeless now. This was like, that was last year. So now it's probably hopeless because it's a PS2 game because every PS2 game is worth millions. Also side note, just in case you're not keeping up, I don't know who doesn't keep up with price charting stuff. Cause I don't, I just see a price every once in a while. And I'm like, what the f uh, Kuon, which we mentioned earlier, that's like an $800 game now. There's yep. been a couple sales for a thousand on eBay. Yeah, this is something like I, I always watch these three, and Kuan was always kind of second to Rule of Rose, and my like, Haunting Ground like surpassed it even for a little while, and now suddenly it's Kuan leaving both of those titles in the dust, racing out to number front. Hope you got your Kuan because uh, you know you're not gonna get it unless you want to spend eight to hundred to a thousand now. Ooh. Seeing like, like ma Kuan, missing right? manuals. Uh, <laughs> Like Gross. going for five hundred dollars. Oh my god, no, don't do uh, it. It's not worth it, uh, kids. I and I just want to tell you, Tyler, that that amazing Spider-Man art is actually pretty excellent. It looks like McFarlane art. I hate I hate being one of those guys who are like, I bought it for the box art. I'm never gonna play it. It's so cool. It's 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 a cool box. It it is. Uh, Tyler, I'm tempted to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, that's that's the only reason why I own Castlevania on the X68000. That fucking box art is gorgeous. And you know what? The the big box PC NBA Action 98 is a cool box, but the Saturn one isn't. Everyone stop being like, oh, the Saturn version, first Kobe. Get the PC version, because it's impossible to find, and I know you'll never find it, and I want to torment all you people who are buying sports people on boxes. <laughs> You're so rude. Playing anything? Uh, Minecraft and Flight Simulator, neither of which I'm allowed to talk about, according to Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yep, for good reason. We lost seven listeners right there. <laughs> That's right. Just just mentioning Flight Simulator. Yep. Nice. Uh, my turn. You you all done there, Tyler? Okay. Here here they come. Yeah. I know he's waiting to. No 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 no. It's not I mean that, I could talk you know. about the Daher TBM nine thirty I've been flying. So I've been doing uh, FS Stefan <laughs> and I've Stephen, been doing on air company, please, which lets please. you run your own virtual airline within Flight Simulator twenty twenty. You're gonna and you're gonna wish great. that I talk more about my uh, the stuff that I buy, Stefan. <laughs> like I don't know why Tyler makes me feel instantly wrong about uh, just him existing, but you know. Um. So. Uh, so I I didn't uh, I haven't actually bought uh, I, I've I've been buying things like for my hobby as as opposed to like necessarily like like art or anything like that like uh, I bought two scanners uh, since last we spoke um, I bought a a, Fuji a Fujitsu uh, FI seventy one sixty which is just a, a, a I take decent... it back Tyler keep talking about <laughs> um, airport uh, <laughs> what oh uh, my it's, god. It's a, it's a feed scanner. That's all I'll say. It's a good feed scanner. Oh yeah, um, and then uh, I also ooh, uh, I love feed elucidate on, Yeah, elucidate on a feed scanner if you don't <laughs> mind, good sir. Uh, it is a, a sc scanner in which I can scan multiple pages very quickly. Um, through a feed device, I'm assuming at like the front end where you can lay multiple items down, and the feeder pa passes it through rather than a flatbed scanner. 
That is accurate. Okay, cool. Glad I know enough about scanners to participate in this conversation. <laughs> anyway, uh, and I also bought a, a very uh, nice uh, flatbed scanner, which uh, uh, which I def- desperately needed for the hobby. I, I don't, um, as I far as... Needed, needed? Well, I, I, I didn't feel that I was properly equipped to yeah, adequately I, scan man, things. For one guy got in your head about the DPI, and I think that man was Frank Cifaldi. What yes, Frank Cifaldi got in my head. That's that's a little bit different. Like the, one random the, dude on Twitter was like, <laughs> "What's the DPI on this seven? Yes, the the one random dude that's spearheading the like preservation arm of this hobby for everyone." Now, Johnny, uh, I think a lot of collectors they kind of settle for the brother ADS twenty seven hundred W, but they should really consider the Visioneer <laughs> Patriot H sixty scanner for its higher DPI and greater document capacity. Tyler, I could not agree with you more. It's like finally someone speaking my language. Uh, <laughs> um, fine, I'll talk about other stuff that I bought that is uh, game related. Actually, guys, I bought a game. Well, I thought you're uh, selling all your video games. No, I had, I had, uh, I had put together my uh, Longbox PS One collection, and uh, I'd finished, and uh, except for the manual for Tecmo World Golf. Uh, and that ha- had been bothering me. So uh, a Tecmo World Golf that was complete uh, came up on eBay, and I sniped that. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I, I bought a game. You probably screwed over like six people because everyone wants PS1 Longbox. So congratulations for completing it and leaving that chaotic market. Yay. Yeah, yeah PS1 Longbox is so stupid versus like the jewel case one. Like Mortal Kombat 3 jewel case, welcome to $800 if you're lucky. Tecmo World Golf, like $125 game, long box. Jewel case, $16. What the hell is going on in this market? They can't um, even decide what they're doing. I can't get behind this. <laughs> the uh, the one art purchase I did make, it wasn't actually a purchase. It was a trade. I traded uh, for... Uh, they did, in Nintendo Power, they did a run of... It was just a single issue, but it was 24 pages of a Metroid Prime comic. And uh, and I traded for all twenty four pages of that comic, cool. so uh, so that was very very cool. I was excited about that. That is that's um, actually very cool. Yeah, you know I love so, I love me some Metroid. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty excited, and 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 that property is also very difficult to find art for, um, specifically. So anything anything Samus related, I'm like, yep, I need that. Um, as it pertains to the magazine, because I only collect art for the magazine, um, and that's the best but, Metroid uh, game. Yeah. Oh, well, you're no. agreeing Whoa. with that? All right, sweet. Hot take. <laughs> no one ever agrees with that. Maybe millennials. Whoa, whoa. You think, hold on. You think Metroid Prime is better than... No, like I wasn't actually listening to what Tyler was saying, <laughs> no, as I often don't. No, either one of you I was, maniacs. I was, I was, Metroid <laughs> Prime is a better version of Super Metroid. I was acknowledging that Tyler existed, and I was moving on. Metroid Prime is a... What? It's in my top five games of all time. Look, I mean, Metroid it's Prime perfect. is an um, look. Metroid Prime is an amazing game and took a two D adventure game that you that and like especially when Castlevania had failed. You know, in the Metroidvania half of uh, that, like you didn't think it could be done, and Metroid Prime came and made a game that was uh, impossibly great. So I'm not going to sit here and and on Metroid Prime ever because i think it you know it's probably in my top 20 games somewhere 
But sure, but Super Metroid is one of the greatest games ever made. Well, it's weirdly, true. like Super Metroid, I think is great, but I I think I like Metroid Zero Mission better than Super Metroid. Huh? All right, get the f- out with your weirder opinions than mine. I don't know about <laughs> that's weirder than think, my opinion. Well, because well, you have to remember, I have a lot of nostalgia for the original Metroid, so it it basically took the original Metroid and the things that were frustrating about the original Metroid. And then made them Super Metroid. So, like, you finally had a map, and you could shoot diagonal, and you just had, like, all this extra stuff. I'm just and they gonna added- guess that there weren't, like, four rooms stacked on each other with the exact same layout that were extremely confusing. I don't remember Zero Mission. I did play it. Oh, Zero, like, Zero Mission is just one of the best Metroids. It's, it's amazing. It's better than the original Metroid. Like, hands down, far and away. I, like I said, I think it it might be the best Metroid, but like I hold that very close to Super Metroid, and I keep Prime just slightly behind those, and then I think it goes Metroid Fusion, and then the original Metroid, and then Metroid Three, and then Metroid or yeah Metroid Prime Three, and then Metroid Prime Two, and then Other M is somewhere. Sure. And just we didn't even talk about Metroid future. Two because you forgot about it. <laughs> Metroid 2, I, uh, actually, I would put the new Metroid 2 up there. Huh. Now I have to think about where I put Metroid 2, but I used to not play anything on GBA. I just played it because it's a new release. Man, now you got, now I have to rethink my order, Tyler. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Metroid Basically, Pinball the, the important is. The thing to remember is that during the game drafts, Tyler picked Super Metroid first, and Johnny got really mad. Therefore, I Tyler did. won the game draft. <laughs> Tyler, you did not win the game draft. You lost the game draft. Didn't I take your favorite game? Yeah, you took Ninja Gaiden 3, and it was, like, retaliatory, but it was like, I, I won this deal. I, I, The crowd is going to, like, Super Metroid more than Ninja Gaiden 3, although I should have picked a complete box at the time, because I, I basically lost because I had 100 great cartridges, which, if you were on a budget, you should be buying cartridges, and no one took that into consideration. They're just like, which of these would I take right now? Because I want to have all these games in my collection. Well, the premise of that episode, and we'll we'll be redoing it, was which is the better collection? And they looked at your pile of garbage (laughs) and they said, no, thank you. It's got a lot of good games in there, but why didn't you put some more money behind it, son? Get some upgrades. Can I just say, I was really excited to like come into this episode and like send us home in under two hours <laughs> what and like time? that was gonna be like a feather in my cap Ugh. i'm like yeah i did it i was the one who brought in a short episode and now we're sitting here and there's no way that we're gonna make the two hour mark and i am sad just so you know <laughs> i'm just stalling to make sure we're well over two hours <laughs> tyler and i did deliver an episode under two hours oh the last one yep oh cool um Oh, the other the buy that I wanted to to shout out because it was uh, a Instagram friend uh, was the one who directed me at it. Uh, Weekend gamer Brittany Grashel, who congratulations Brittany on your newborn. Um, she pointed me at a um, a 
Nintendo Technician jacket, which is if you've ever seen, it's on my Instagram if anyone wants to go look. But um, if you've ever seen a gameplay counselor jacket, it looks very much like that. But instead of gameplay counselor on the back, it says technician. It was just a piece that I had been missing, and uh, and she found that on OfferUp and pointed me at it, and uh, and I picked that up. So I'm really excited for that. She show found up. that on OfferUp. So I thought you were just posting a picture of it. I didn't realize you found it on OfferUp. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well done. Uh, you know what? Speaking Brittany. of, just because we're on the topic, uh, there will probably be a new Retro Gem Miner video out, which makes Ooh. fun of the fact that you collect clothes. Just an offhand joke, oh, but I do oh, have great. that in there. Oh, nice. Well, thank you. Look, if we can't make fun of ourselves, who can we make fun of? Our friends. <laughs> Besides everyone. Yes. Uh, as far as playing, I've been playing WoW a lot. Again, like, that's the end of the expansion, so I'm, like, wrapping up stuff that I feel like I should do before the end of the expansion. Um, but other than that, I'm not really playing anything. I am making room in my life for Baldur's Gate 3 because I am super hyped for that. And, uh, so I will be diving in headfirst to the new Baldur's Gate, uh, when that comes out toward the, what, end of the month? Oh my god! Is so, that really that soon? Oh, Ada's gonna want to play that. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at the website. It says early access begins September Whoa, 30th. Oh so I don't know. Oh, I, I don't, don't know, know if I can handle Stadia that. early access. I can't wait to play it on my Google Stadia, guys. Right? Right? <laughs> what is it only? Is it PC only? Uh, right now it says Stadia and Steam. Oh I'm man, gonna, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm uh, just do I have to upgrade website. my computer to play Baldur's Gate? There's new GPUs that are just coming out. They're, they look pretty I'm crazy. Not doing, I'm not doing anything dumb. I'm, I'm not looking for a hypergenic physics. Or whatever you need some you hypergenic want. physics. So on their landing really page, I see, I see no reference to any console logo at all on their landing uh, page. It, it's been a while, PC, but I might have to upgrade you to play Johnny, Baldur's I will Gate. say that for Divinity Original Sin 2, which was the last game that Larian made, I built Ada an entire computer to run it because the old, like, kind of on its last legs 2012 computer just was not having it. Yeah, and uh, no. it is the best computer RPG ever made. So I'm extremely excited for Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, well, do we know Baldur's Gate is the best? Because Baldur's Gate 2 was just the best thing ever. No, uh, Divinity Original Sin oh. 2. The oh, last is the Larian best one? Game. It is oh. perfect. It's so good. Didn't it ruin your life? Uh, Path of Exile ruined my life. Oh, okay. I that is Divinity like in that's too. in contention. It's like Diablo two, Path of Exile, and Divinity. But uh, I think Divinity wins solely because you can go in and out in fifty hours. Okay. Tyler only plays games that ruin his life. Guys, let me tell you about my flight simulator. Uh, <laughs> my airline, <laughs> nope. I've got running. Uh, nope. Oh, Tyler just proved us wrong. He also plays games that ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad talking about airport simulator games is. All right. I think, All right, I, think I think that's it, right? I think we're done. I think I have done my duty here, uh, Johnny. I, I believe I will pass it pass it back to you for the uh the wrap up. Uh well first guys you gotta tell us where you can find Stefan. I am on uh Instagram and YouTube's as Archon nineteen eighty one, but I am far more active these days on Twitter as Art of NP or Art of Nintendo Power. All right, That's and about it. Tyler, I'm on Instagram. I'm Default Gen. I'm on Video Game Sage, and I'm on YouTube. New Retro Gen Miner video. It's a creative masterpiece, uh, or it's just a completely cringy piece of nonsense. Either way, I love it. So uh, go watch that. 
All right, you can find me on Instagram, barely. I have not been really much on social of any kind, but uh, maybe that will be changing because, you know, October, by the time you guys listen to this, October will be very close, I believe. And uh, it is my favorite time of year. Like, I may have made two extra Instagram handles to post other Halloween content because just posting about video games on Halloween isn't quite enough. So we'll, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition or not. Um, but yeah, you can find me here. J-O-H-N-N-Y underscore I-U-C-C-I. Thank you all for listening and uh, tolerating. I, I think this episode, <laughs> there's a lot of tolerating you did, so... I I applaud your commitment to that. Thanks so much. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.